We work with high school kids in Sweden, as most of you know. Sweden is home. Quite a drastic contrast with the Chad. <laughs> Just as different as life and people could possibly be. I don't need to go into detail tonight about the situation that we're involved in in Sweden. Most of you know already that we live in a very modern country. A Volvo that costs you $4,500 costs us $7,000. We're very proud of that. Uh, a bag of groceries that costs you X number of dollars costs us 50% more. Very interesting country in which to live, a socialistic country. Uh, about 44% of our income going directly to the socialist state. Interesting situation also. Uh, we work with high school kids who, when they're 13 years old, at least 90% of them, probably 95, have already had some kind of unsatisfactory sex experience. By the time nearly all of them are 18 years old, they've lived with every guy or girl in their class and have never known the meaning at all of what God intended to be a very beautiful thing. The circumstances are not pleasant at all, but God delights in working in places like Sweden also, and that's what he's doing. He's working all over the world. He's calling out a people for his name, and he's working in Sweden also. We are not looking at the circumstances and crying over the situation. We are presenting Christ. People are responding, and he's preparing a people to meet him. Beautiful words, Colossians 1.28, will express better than I ever could precisely what we are up to in Sweden. The whole goal of our being there, the total investment of our lives is all centered, wrapped up in the words of this verse, Colossians 1.28. I'm reading from the Amplified Bible tonight, so you will hear some minor differences. Him we preach and proclaim warning and admonishing everyone and instructing everyone in all wisdom in comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God that we may present every person mature, full-grown, fully initiated, complete and perfect in Christ the Anointed One. Verse 29, For this I labor under weariness, striving with all the superhuman energy which he so mightily enkindles and works within me. And those tremendous verses. We're involved in three phases of ministry to teenagers. Number one, we go with seven of our team, five Swedes and Faye and myself, into the high schools. We go in on school time. We average about 50 minutes per assembly. Attendance is compulsory. Those of you who know anything about Sweden and understand the situation in our own country know that what I've just described is a miracle, and it's that. In the last eight years, we have entered 700 high schools, and most of them we have entered more than just one time and have witnessed with complete liberty regarding the one who means everything to us. The only way we know to reach high school kids in Sweden at the moment is to meet them in school, for they are not in the churches. We have very little, almost no opportunity through television or radio. So if we're going to meet them and witness to them and tell them there's one who lives and can give life meaning, we've got to meet them in the schools. And so every time I walk across the threshold of a high school uh, main door, I say, thank you, Lord, for the open door. I can't go into all of the details about how we put this high school assembly all together. 
You're welcome to come over anytime, and we'll take you right along with us and see what God is doing. Teachers who are ready to give up, who have no hope for tomorrow at all, uh, are a little bit shaky when they hear that the Christians are coming to the school because they think there's going to be a riot, and they're really amazed when at the end of 50 minutes every kid is sitting, literally sitting right on the edge of his seats. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. It's God's time, and he's working, he's speaking. Uh, you know, these young people have tried it all. They've had uh, economically and in every way even more than many of us have had here, but it hasn't satisfied, and so they're hearing about Jesus. The second phase of our ministry, of course, is follow-up. It doesn't do much good to go to a high school and distribute this little book, which is very interesting. If you want the details, I'll share it later. We distribute these at the end of the meeting. It doesn't mean much if you go there and then don't follow up. So about 90% of what we're doing is follow-up. Before our high school team leaves an area, and we spend a year in one area, before we leave the area, we leave behind two people who work full-time following up those who have responded to the gospel. When we went to Sweden, we didn't have anything in the Swedish language that would be training materials for Swedish teenagers, so the Lord, uh, in a very wonderful way, put together something for us which we believe is unique. Three years of systematic training materials for high school kids who respond, helping them to know what they believe and why to send them back into their local churches and into their high schools, high schools on flame for Jesus Christ. We had this in Swedish first, and just this year it was published in English. If you want to see it, here it is. The first year called the Sword Forged, the second year the Two-Edged Sword, the third year the Wielded Sword. We recognize that time is not on our side in Sweden and what we're going to do in Jesus' name, and I'm serious now, we've got to do it now. The young people who've tried it all also recognize that that's our situation, and so this is not a Mickey Mouse type thing where we come and teach for hours and the kids sit there bored. They have to get involved with it themselves and learn the joy of personal discovery. I would invite you to look through the Bible study materials that we're using with Swedish teenagers and probably we'll find more of this kind of thing being used more and more in our own country. Phase three, weekend retreats and summer Bible schools. Every summer we devote the entire summer to intensive Bible teaching. We have three weeks in each camp and six hours of Bible study every day. We invite you to come and be a part of it. Most of these young people haven't had the opportunity like you and I, many of us, have experienced where we've been brought up with the Bible and all of these wonderful truths have become so precious that we're like a cat drowning in cream. But they recognize the importance of this book and they're willing to give three weeks of their summer, six hours every day, to study God's Word. Fourteen of them are arriving this week to attend the Basic Youth Conflicts uh, Seminar in Philadelphia for further training. Faye and I are the only two sweet Americans involved in the ministry. All of the other full-timers are Swedish young people, completely trained, supported by their own people, none of their support coming from this country. So all of those people that have been left behind to work in follow-up are well-trained Swedish young people. One girl, for example, earned her doctor's degree in chemistry, was teaching in the university. God spoke to her. She now works full-time teaching the Bible to teenagers. Several of them are qualified teachers who saw the situation as teaching in a secular school next to Hopeless, and they're now working full-time teaching the Word to teens. So that's what we're involved in, in cooperation with the Christians in the country. There are churches in that land, established local churches where Christ is being honored. We seek to relate to them, work with them, and mean everything to them we possibly can. Turn to the Old Testament for a moment. I want to share with you a little more, which is, I believe, a very clear expression 
of the goal toward which we're moving. First Chronicles 28 and verse 9. First Chronicles 28 and verse 9. If I should be asked, say quite simply what you're moving toward and what your aims and goals are for your ministry in Sweden, I would say here it is. First Chronicles 28 and verse 9. The older man, David, is speaking to the younger man, Solomon. Here's what he says. Again, note the Amplified Bible. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Have personal knowledge of him. Be acquainted with and understand him. Appreciate, heed, and cherish him. Now, in the Hebrew word know, which is used here, and you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father, you have all of the following possibilities involved. Have personal knowledge of him, be acquainted with and understand him, appreciate, heed, and cherish him. That's a little of what it means to know him. And serve him with a blameless heart and with a willing mind, for the Lord searches all hearts and minds and understands all the wanderings of the thoughts. If you seek him, inquiring for and of him, and requiring him as your first and vital necessity, you will find him. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Now briefly, let's break down the text. And you, Solomon, my son, know the God of your father. Do you appreciate the fact that it's a wonderful thing for a father whose life has demonstrated the reality of Jesus Christ to be able to say to his son, know my God. How many of us here tonight can say, I had a father who honestly could have said to me, son, daughter, know my God. How many of you have had that experience? That's a great blessing. I'd be interested to see how many of you had a father who lived a life which exemplified Christ and he could have said to you, serve my God. Put your hands up high. All right, that's great. What a wonderful privilege. And isn't it true also, friends, that those of you who have had that privilege have just a shade more of responsibility? Have you thought that through and come to grips with it? Because of that background, it's a wonderful heritage. My father is 76 years old and hard as stone against my Savior. Many of you here in this room tonight have prayed for my dad for many years. Hardening of the arteries, life is becoming short for him, but still without Christ. Know the God of your father. Have a personal knowledge of him. Be acquainted with and understand him, appreciate him, heed him, and cherish him. That is what we're working with Whenever we think about every high school kid with whom we are involved, know him, love him, cherish him. Let the highest priority of your life, priority of your life, be becoming involved with his word and getting to know him intimately so that his imprint on your heart and your life and your actions and your thoughts comes through so clearly that you won't even have to say anything but that Christ and the living reality of his presence will be seen and felt by all. A very serious thing with me. How about you? Let's look back to your last 168 hours and take a serious look at how much or how many of those hours 
you have given seriously in personal involvement with your heavenly Father, getting to know him, his ways, and his will for you. How much has it been? I wrote down early this morning the following. Last week, let's say, if I did right, I slept 56 hours, more or less. I'd like to interact with you a little bit here and get your reaction to some of these points. We can't. Secondly, I ate for about 21 hours, more or less. The pulpit bumper in front of me here, I'm afraid it was a little bit more. Thirdly, you work, let's say, 40 hours, or you go to school, or you're involved in your job, about 40 hours every week, right? Fourthly, let's say, and I didn't know what to write here, but I spoke for myself, 10 hours personal care. Brushing your teeth, shaving, you know, all of the things that we have to do to keep looking fairly decent, 10 hours. Then let's say we have 25 hours for recreation. Anything that you find uh, you can do to relax, 25 hours, that's enough, isn't it, for one week? Uh, jogging for 25 hours or TV, whatever it might be. 25 hours. Okay, you're adding it up. That's 152 hours I have. 168 hours in the week, make the subtraction, and you get 16 hours, 10% of your week. What have you done? And I've been asking myself yesterday and today, what have I been doing with, with those hours when I have nothing to do? And I'm very much aware, are you? Show me a man and what he does when he has nothing to do, and I'll tell you what kind of a man he will be. Really, really. Are you willing or are you now investing at least 10% of your week in fellowship with your living Lord who bought you with his blood on the cross of Calvary and who made it all possible? Is he important enough in your life that you are willing joyfully and thank the Lord that you can spend at least 10% of your week away from everybody and in everything, quiet before him to find out where he's going, realizing he's already been in my tomorrows and I'm ready to get going in the direction he's going. Man, this really excites a conservative Scot. How's it going? So here's a very vital matter with every kid with whom we're involved. I would rather have five who would be willing to get up and meet God at 5 o'clock in the morning and take the Word of God seriously than 500 who will just play games and fool around with God with water pistols when the world is burning. I'm very serious. All right, Solomon, my son, know him. In this hour of national crisis, I tell you, friends, our whole future could very much depend on your personal involvement alone with God, getting your power with him, and that power he brings through your life being shared with local assemblies across this country. That's our only hope. But I tell you, you won't communicate him, you won't know him, unless you're willing to take that time with him and find out what he wants to do with your life. Are you involved in that way? I heard one older lady say recently, man, I couldn't possibly miss the Sunday morning service because that's when I get my food for the week. 
Man, what would you think of a guy who came to your home for Sunday dinner and ate for the whole week? But I have a feeling that it's possible for some of us here tonight to be that shabby and careless about our relationship to this supernatural gift, this wonderful book that God put into our hands. How's it going? Secondly, he said, not only know him, but serve him with a blameless heart. Serve him with a perfect heart. I don't need to say to you tonight, friends, that our world is littered with all kinds of half-hearted Christian service and we don't have place for any more. I've said it and I'm very serious and God knows what's deep down in my heart when I say it. When I come to the place when he means less to me than all, I'll run from Sweden faster than they can see my dust going. When he means anything less to me than that which would demand all of my heart, I'm not interested in playing the game anymore. Do you understand what it means to be able to say, friend, that from the tips of my fingers to the ends of my toes, 100% without any reserve, it's my greatest joy to be say, to say I've been bought with a price and I'm willing to give it all to him, to him. It's all his for whatever he might want, to live, to die, to be, to do anything he might ask. That's what it means to serve him with all of our heart. And I tell you, no generation of Christian people in the history of mankind have been given more than the Christians of this country. People ought to be prepared to give more to a world than any Christians who ever lived if we would understand what it means to serve him with all of our hearts, to be involved in the ministry of this local church with our money and our lives so that this whole area would know that Christ lives. It's all very familiar, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I know. I heard it when I was six years old, serving with a perfect heart. But I was 23 before I woke up one night to realize what it means to be really involved. And let him bring me into the place that he had in mind for me when he died for me on the cross. To recognize that he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. If you keep it, you're going to lose it, friend. But if you give it, it's going to be his for eternity. Praise his name. Serve him with all of your heart, but I love the next part of the verse, and with all of your mind. Here's this dynamic combination that really works. Show me the guy who's all heart and isn't giving any care to the training of the mind, and I'll show you a guy who probably isn't getting very far in the service of the Lord. I've watched some guys who were, you know, just Joe, hallelujah, no time for Bible study, no time to take their studies seriously, and it wasn't long until they ran out of gas. I've seen the other guy come to mission fields in many countries with his briefcase loaded from seminary, and he took no time during his studies to have fellowship with the living God, but he had all the ideas, he had all of the latest information about how we can win your country, but in six months he was on the plane on the way home because he was all head and no heart. <laughs> but show me the fellow who can bring both together. A warm heart and a keen mind, a keen mind under the control of a spirit-filled heart, and whether it's here or there, I'll show you a guy that God, that God is using. Thank the Lord for every one of them. You cannot be a serious Christian, kids, and not take your schools, your study in schools seriously. It's not possible. You can't put the two together. If you're not going to be a testimony in that way to demonstrate that you're all out for the training of your mind for God's glory, I doubt very much if you'll ever be of any real service as far as heart service is concerned. So there's the combination. 
not zeal without knowledge or knowledge without zeal, but the two together. Zeal directed by knowledge. Knowledge under the control of a heart that's on fire for God. That's, what, that's our aim in Sweden. And if we can send out across that country, we're involved right now with about 2,500 young people in Bible studies every week. And that's enough to turn the country upside down. And don't be surprised if it happens. If you hear that the course of Swedish history is altered, you just praise the Lord because he did it all through young people who understood what this is all about. It could happen. It must happen. For the Lord searches all hearts and understands all the wonderings of your thoughts. Isn't this so simple that uh, we wonder how we could have missed it? The Lord searches all hearts and minds and understands all the wonderings of the thoughts. If you seek him, you will find him. Very simply, if you seek him, you will not be disappointed. So every day in the Swedish high schools, in a dozen different ways, that's what we're witnessing. We know one who transformed life, this historic person, Jesus Christ, who really lived. We've sought him, we've found him, and he's turned life upside down. Here's what it's all about. Problems, battles, frustrations. Faye knows I've quit about 25 times in eight years. I've been ready to go home many, many times. I've come home from school and I said, honey, man, I'm, I'm finished. Got a migraine headache that's about to blow my top off. And I look at these people and the teachers, they hate us. Boy, they'd love to get us out of the schools. They're saying to me, how in the world did you Christians get in here? And I can't tell them the Holy Spirit did it. That would really blow them. But I've been ready to quit many times, but I can honestly say thoughtfully tonight, can you join me? If you seek him, if you really seek him, you will never be disappointed. And friends, my first interest, I suppose, is evangelism. <laughs> my heart beats tonight for any one of you in this meeting who have never come to know my Savior. I want to tell you it's true. I've lived in 42 countries. My involvement with Jesus Christ has been very real. And I can tell you that I've never been disappointed with him. He's had a lot of occasion to really give me up but he never has. He has been everything and more he said he would be. He has. So if you seek him, you won't be disappointed. But now notice the end of the verse. But if you forsake him, he will cast you off forever. Have you read the life of Solomon recently? Man, what a story. I went through it again yesterday. If you can uh, stick this away in memory, read the first 11 chapters of 1 Kings this week and the first nine chapters of 2 Chronicles, parallel passages, the life of Solomon. I tell you, I never cease to be amazed at the chances and opportunities that this man had, like a beautiful ship that started out on a lovely sea on a bright sunny morning and it ended up at the end on the other shore, nothing but a splintered piece of broken board. That was the life of Solomon, standing out as a warning to every man and woman and boy and girl who ever lived. If you seek me, you won't be disappointed, but if you, cast, if you forsake me, I will cast you off forever. That's all. A man who understood, who died, understanding, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Well, that's what we're up to in Sweden right there. There's the expression of it in this verse. We're saying to those we love, know God, serve him with all of your heart, with all of your mind. He knows your mind. He knows your heart. If you seek him, you won't be disappointed. And then, of course, a lot of kids are asking, well, man, that's my desire, but how? How do I get started? 
And you know, right here in the text, I see some beautiful commentary on how to get started. I can't go into it all. Just a couple of thoughts. Chapter 29, verse 10. Chapter 29, verse 10. David is praying both for the people and he finishes his prayer for Solomon that the task for which Solomon has been challenged might be accomplished. And here he says, David blessed the Lord before all of the assembly and said, Be praised, adored, and thanked, O Lord, the God of Israel, our forefather forever and ever. Step number one, <laughs> we suggest and we practice in our ministry in Sweden is that we give a lot of time to praise. Large portions of our prayer services, and we love to pray together every day, sometimes for hours. We spend many, many hours in meaningful prayer. But very often, large portions of that period are given to praise. No request, but just thanking him for everything that the Holy Spirit can bring to our remembrance. Away with the gossip and idle talk, and let your whole life be given to praise. Look at verse 13. Now, therefore, our God, we thank you and praise your glorious name and those attributes which that name denotes. Have you taken time recently just to take a Sunday afternoon, for example, and give the whole afternoon just in quiet meditation and praise to our blessed Lord. Have you? Then notice verse 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. Look at this verse. And the victory and the majesty for all that is in the heavens and the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and yours it is to be exalted as head over all. This is it. Just as simple as that. To stand as an open book before him and say, Lord, I really mean it. My money, my future, my education, my home, everything I own, in and through it all, it belongs to you. I want you to be exalted as head above all, and I shall not be satisfied till this is a reality. Now, honestly, how do you stand in the light of that line? Yours it is to be exalted as head above all. Can you imagine what would happen in a ministry that God is already blessing here in Long Beach, this one, if a few more of us would simply take that one line seriously and mean it? Now notice verse 14. But who am I? This man is asking like I have asked, have you? Who am I? And what is my people that we should retain strength and be able to offer them so willingly? And now here's the key. I love this. For all things come from you, and of your own hand we have given you. That's it. There it is, all in a nutshell. Every one of us will simply recognize that every little bit of life and everything, it has all come from him. And what the Lord of all creation tonight is simply saying, will you give it all back to me because I gave it to you and let me make you what you never dreamed you could be. That's it. Now that's the great consuming passion of every day and every hour of life that I live in Sweden. I really mean it. 
that the kids with whom I work, though they see the mistakes and all of the flubs that this human makes, that they will understand that everything has been given to God, and he's first in it all. Look down at verse 16. O Lord our God, all this store that we have prepared to build you, a house for your holy name, and the token of your presence comes from your hand and is all your own. Is that the way it is with you tonight, Christian friend? Can you say without any reserve, yes, it's all his to do with my life, whatever I want, whatever he wants, wherever he wants, it's all his to be used for his glory. Shall we pray? Father, we thank you tonight that the way to life and all of the directions for life in Christ had been clearly written in the book. And what you are simply looking for in our time is for your people who will be willing to be quiet enough and long enough to understand something about your purpose for our time and for men around us so that you, by your Spirit, will be able to motivate them to become involved in what you're doing, not just in playing games that they have designed. So, Lord, we praise you for all of the people here in this assembly that you are using. But you know those who are here tonight who are resisting still the Spirit of God and have some reservation which keeps them from giving over and who will face an hour when there will be nothing but regrets, who will say, why didn't I do it? In this quiet moment before we have the closing, I would just like to ask each one of you to be quiet before him. How's it going in your fellowship alone with him? Does this have the highest priority in your life? Or has it been sidetracked by a million things? How do you stand with regard to this matter? Let him be exalted as head above all. Do you understand what that means? Have you accepted it? Have you given back to him all that he gave to you and with a heart full of joy and without reserve you've said, Lord, here it is. Here it is. Thank you, Spirit of the living God, that you came to exalt Jesus. And as he is lifted up, people are drawn to him, not to a program, not to a ministry, but to Jesus. And then people around begin to take notice that he lives, and they too want to know him. Thank you for the evening you've given us together. We pray again for any who are here tonight without the Savior. Oh, Father, that no one will go from this meeting without your peace in his heart. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.